Welcome to the Two Old Kids and Two Young Adults podcast. We've combined life experience with young adult drive and ambition. Are you just starting to college plan? Did you finish your education and wonder, now what? Join us in this lively discussion about the topics you need to know to create the next stage of your life's dreams, careers, finances, education, and more. Welcome to the Two Old Kids, Two Young Adults podcast. Once again, we're about to have a great time, and we have a special guest today. As always, we bring in just top-notch guests. If you follow this show, you are going to want to go back and take a look at episodes you may not have seen with some incredible experts that have come onto the show to be a resource for you for navigating through college, career, and life, and that's what we're here to do today. But I have brought with us Mr. Barry Holden. He has 30 years as a federal agent with ATF, the Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms Bureau with the Department of Justice. And we've got some great questions that we're gonna be able to ask him today. As always, we have Ed and Alex with us as our expert hosts, and we're gonna get this show started. I don't know if I'm an expert host on this episode. I think we got the expert guest. I'm the novice host that's gonna to try to ask intelligent questions. Um, Barry, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Good to have you. Awesome. Well, yeah, very, very happy to have you on here tonight, Barry. And for me, I just wanted to get started. Um, or, Amy, do you want to uh, introduce Barry or please get started with the questions? Uh, no, Barry, you want to just uh, go for it. Yeah, just a couple minutes of just what ATF. Uh, ATF is an agency. It's the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. It's in the Department of Justice. I've been an uh, ATF agent for 33 years. And, uh, I'm open to pretty much any question you, you have. I mean, and he's an awesome dad. He raised kids too and, and put them through college and been through all of this. Yes, I have three kids. Uh, I, I'm open to any question. I am a, still an active duty agent, so there's some questions I may not be able to answer, but uh, I'll certainly try to best my best okay. answer again. We'll go easy on you then with the questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, so kind of you, Alex. Oh, I know. I, I have my moments, but I mean, I just get started then, Barry. I'm, I'm 23 years old and I'm kind of exploring career options. How would one even get started in the ATF if you were in high school, you know, if you were going to college or would you even recommend going to college? You know, kind of which degree would you recommend getting? And I feel like the ATF is a little bit, um, a little bit niche in terms of law enforcement. So how would you kind of get your foot in the door there? So how you get well, started. started. A bunch of questions. Yeah, that, that yeah, was a whole bunch of questions. You ask questions like me, Alex. You learn from uh, the wrong guy. I know, Six two, questions or one question. Too cool of a profile. But yeah, I'm just <laughs> um, how you get started then. I'll, I'll try I'll try my best to answer the questions kind of in the order you asked them. How do you get started in it? First of all, uh, for federal law enforcement, but I'm going to sp speak specifically to ATF, uh, you need a four-year degree. So you do need to go to college. Uh, but it's something you need to start looking at. You know, when you're when you're a senior in high school and you're graduating, you're wondering what your major might be. Everybody goes to college. Some people change their majors five times. Some people never change their majors from day one. When I went to college, I had uh, I majored in criminal justice. Uh, several years later, I, I got a master's in in criminal justice as well. But uh, your college life is. Um, the degree isn't so much important. You don't have to have a degree in criminal justice or a degree in uh, psychology or a degree in what do they call it CSI now is the big thing. Uh, it, it's a four year degree. It could be in accounting. It could be in um, exercise management. It just you need you need the four year degree to get get your foot in the door. Uh, the process to apply. There's open announcements probably every 
three to four months where we get thousands of applications uh, and you apply through, you basically apply through USA Jobs, which if people are familiar with federal government, I think even uh, local you know, businesses apply on USA Jobs. But the federal government's all ATF announcements are through USA Jobs. You basically apply, you put your resume in, and then you 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 get your foot in the door and you start the process. Now, the one thing that, that's that people aren't used to is the process takes anywhere from I would say sixteen months to twenty four months from the time you you hit that uh, resume in USA Jobs. It's not like you're going to be hired in three or four months. It's it's a, it's a period of time. Okay, and to me that's a little bit too long. It shouldn't take that long. I don't know why it takes that long, but I'm not involved in that part of the process. Uh, but I will tell you, it takes about two years. Uh, That's really interesting. So 16 to 24 months. And in that interim time, are there any particular activities that you'd recommend doing to strengthen them once the time comes during the application process? Or can they just kind of do anything? What are your thoughts on that? Well, there's several things. Part of the application process is a physical agility test. So you want to stay in, you want to stay in shape. The standards are published. You know what you need to do. There's a mile and a half run. There's push-ups or sit-ups. Uh, so obviously you don't want to become a couch potato during that time frame. Um, there's interviews, there's, there's testing you're going to be going through as part of the process, but also part of the, uh, process is your background. You do not want to be, uh, out committing crime while you're in the process. Really? Or while you're living college. We've, we all went to college. And we all had a good time in college. Uh, <laughs> then you don't want to be, you don't want to have a felony, uh, criminal background because that probably not going to get hired into a federal law enforcement agency. Uh, so some things that's some of the things you don't want to be doing, but uh, there's certainly nothing wrong with, we hire a lot of uh, people that are local police officers, uh, but we hire, I've hired, uh, been part of the process with a high school guidance counselor, uh, Verizon territory sales manager. Well, we take a variety of people, some right out of college, some with several years long. long gotcha. So you said some people come straight out of college, you know, there's local law enforcement officers that you hire as well. Um, would you mind sharing us kind of what your journey was like, Barry? Um, you know, did you come straight out of college? Did you start as a local law enforcement officer or what was your path like? I was, I was uh, just about exactly one year uh, local law enforcement before I got into uh, ATF. So I didn't have that much local law enforcement experience. I graduated college, uh, started with a local law enforcement agency and was there about a year. And was picked up and hired hired by ATF. Uh, back back then, you know, that was 33 years ago, pre-computer internet age. So the hiring process was a little bit different. You interviewed, um, they did a background, and you you would basically be hired. Uh, there weren't the steps that there are today. Gotcha. And then, so a lot of different steps. Then sounds like the hiring process is a lot different. If it during the hiring process, if it doesn't work out. If you don't get into accepted into ATF for whatever reason, what are some alternative career paths that you could potentially take? Uh, well, federally, federally wise, I mean, there's several federal law enforcement agencies. Everybody knows FBI, DEA, Secret Service, uh, but every department in the federal government has a law enforcement arm. Some of them aren't very large, but every from uh, Food and Drug Administration to uh, I don't know Department of Commerce. Like they'll have what we call inspector general offices. Those are uh, sworn law enforcement officer positions. So there's, I think, 63 federal agencies that have uh, sworn law enforcement positions. Now their missions are a little bit different. 
uh, FDA, Department of Commerce might do more what we call paper type cases, where ATF, our primary mission is uh, crimes of violence and mm -hmm. to support local law enforcement. So we work hand in hand uh, with local law enforcement and we and violent criminals. It's a little bit different. We, we don't really have white collar cr criminal investigations in ATF. Gotcha. You said well, there are 63 different branches with law enforcement branches. Is that what you were saying? Yes, that's correct. Gotcha. So there's a lot of different routes that you can take, even if it doesn't work out with the ATF. If you have like that same passion for law enforcement, sounds like a lot of really, really cool opportunities out there. But I feel like I am hogging all the questions. I'm sure Eddie got some questions as well. You are hogging them. You're selfish, and I don't like it. <laughs> so... um. Barry, in the course of um, Alex asking you some really good questions, all joking aside, you said a couple things I wanted to circle back to. You said that you end up getting a master's degree. I'm kind of curious, once you're in ATF, why did you decide to go back and get a master's degree? Is that career-related advancement, or was that just uh, a thirst for knowledge or a little bit of both? A little bit of both. Uh, and another thing, the government was offering to pay for it. So that was a big factor. But uh, it was career advancement. And uh, I, I actually, when I graduated with my undergraduate degree, I started my master's, but I never finished it. And then, you know, 15 years later, uh, I was able to go back and take my master's. Now, those courses that I took back when I graduated from undergrad didn't count, but I always wanted my master's degree. And it kind of came across as a job opportunity. And like I say, the government was going to help fund it. So that was a big reason why. Very good. Um do you think in the quest to go to any federal agency, but specifically the ATF, that that's something, a, back to Alex's question about what do you do if you have the time, is that something that's advisable? Does that help in terms of getting into the ATF uh, as you continue to work on not only your physical attributes, but also your educational uh, advancement? Oh, having a master's degree? Yeah. Sure, that, yeah, that, that puts you one step up and that can help you. It, what what it can help you with coming in as a, as a new hire is it can actually help you with your uh, initial job offer uh, salary. You'll come in at a little bit higher salary if you have a master's degree or if you have prior law enforcement or military experience than someone with just a bachelor's degree with no prior law enforcement or military. So I would say that um, if you have the circumstances, if I understood this correctly, Barry, if you have the circumstances and you're going to sit and you're going to wait a year and a half or two years anyways, why not? try to get that master's degree, um, if, in particularly if you're going back home or if you've got a job uh, that will allow you to support that, that sounds like that might be a wise decision that actually has uh, a financial benefit and also an advancement benefit. Because um, I think a lot of young people think, should I get a master's or not? What they can't do is quantify it. Like what's, mm -hmm. the, the, what's the income reason to do that? And it sounds like it, it, it it applies here in a very big way since you've got to wait anyways if you've got the resources the opportunity and you've got a place to live um that's not costing a ton maybe you're back home mom and dad maybe take advantage of that opportunity mm -hmm. i i would agree with you 100 absolutely because it's, it's a lot easier to get your master's degree right after you finish your undergrad you're already in that learning mode you're already in that college mode it's a lot harder to go back 15 years later when i did and try to to balance the working to get your master's degree, working a full-time job and raising a family. So if you have that downtime between your undergrad and, and getting hired, sure, why not? 
Yeah, that's good advice. I hope you guys are paying attention out there. Uh, from a personal perspective, Barry, you talked about the other agencies I wrote down, DEA, uh, Secret Service, FBI. Why did you select the ATF? Uh, I like their mission. Uh, like I said, I mentioned the mission. We work uh, closely with state and local law enforcement, and we work uh, uh, violent crime. Uh, I I'll, compare, I'll compare ATF to FBI. ATF we have roughly 2,500 agents. FBI has probably, and I'm not even sure, placed 15,000 agents. Wow. So when you start out with FBI, you are going to be um, working a paper case, working on sitting on a wire, or you're not going to be um, running your own investigations right away. You're not going to be out on the street. You're not going to be testifying in court. You're not going to be writing search warrants. Compare that to ATF. When you start out with us, you're going to be in a training status for a period, but you're going to be uh, making your own cases, putting violent criminals, convicted felons in prison. Uh, you're going to be putting handcuffs on people. I, I've met I've met one uh, FBI agent, and no discredit to him at all, but he spent his whole 25 year career in the FBI and never put handcuffs on anybody. Now, some people may like that aspect for federal law enforcement. ATF, you're going to be putting handcuffs on people on a uh, probably weekly basis. Uh, it's just the type of the way we work and the different missions between the two two law enforcement entities. Some people may be well-suited for FBI. Uh, some people may be more suited to ATF. So, um, hey, oh, go I'll, ahead. Uh, I think I'm asking the questions right now. You have sorry, sorry. chance. If you thought of something, you should have asked earlier, man. You're right. You're right. <laughs> You're asking good questions. I can't help but piggyback. Go ahead. Uh, 30 years... Um, in that time advancement, can you talk about, you talked about coming in, being on probation or starting out. What, what does that look like as you move up? Uh, and why would somebody stay in a job for an extended period of time? And what's, you know, what's the advantage of moving around, maybe getting different experiences, if you will. Well, you can, you can certainly promote within our agency. Uh, the one thing you have to do if you promote is you're going to be involved moving a lot. Mm -hmm. By moving a lot, uh, I mean, you know, cross country to different places, different positions. I had uh, one time on, uh, early on in my career, they were inviting me to promote into a job. And I was seriously thinking about it. But I said, I, you know, I just don't know if I want to move my, my family that much. And um, the, the individual who was recruiting me was, was like, you know what, I'm fine. I, I've moved 10 times for this agency and my family's just fine. And then he he said, um, he said, but my my son is a convicted felon and we don't, we don't, we're not on speaking terms with my daughter. So <laughs> it made me kind of wonder, was all those moves, <laughs> your son's now a convicted felon and your daughter doesn't speak to you? Uh, so there's the opportunity for advancement. I've, I've been lucky. I've been in Los Angeles my entire career, 33 year career, but I've done a lot of different things. Uh, and I've, I've, I've promoted, but I haven't had to move. Uh, most people have to move. I've been lucky I haven't had to move. Gotcha. Alex, give me one more question. I'll let you t take the take over. Um, I noticed on the ATF that there's explosives. And I'm kind of curious, um, when did, is that always been part of ATF or is that something that got added uh, at, a, at a later date? No, it's ATF has had the explosive jurisdiction, uh, firearms, explosives, and tobacco. The tobacco, there's not so much anymore. Yeah. Uh, but we've always had the arson, federal arson laws, federal explosives laws, and federal firearms laws. 
have been our primary jurisdiction since 1968, back with LNS. Got it. We actually became an ATF, I believe, in 1972. In fact, this year is our 50th. 72. Our 50th anniversary. She's wearing the shirt for it. Uh, <laughs> as being an agency, separate department. Of, uh, at that time, we were in the Department of Treasury, but alcohol, tobacco, firearms. So, and and some people call it an explosives, but we've always had the explosive mission as well. Sorry, I lied, Alex. One more question. Um, what's the most satisfying, satisfying part of your job? I know you talked about the criminal activity. I'm just curious, you know, dealing with... Uh, you know, individuals who are violent and getting them off the street, I'm sure is satisfying. But adjacent to that, what's the other part of your job that you take a lot of pleasure in? I mean, you're doing something for 33 years. That's that's commitment. I'm curious what gets you out of bed in the morning that allows you to enjoy what you do. My job now, I kind of do something different every day. So even though I've been uh, an ATF agent for 33 years, I, 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 I'm able to do something different every day, have an impact uh, in a variety of cases from, uh, a lot, a, a big range of cases. I'm, and it's still exciting to me. I I'm happy to go to work every day. Gotcha. Thanks for answering the question, Barry. I have a couple more, but Alex, take it away. Yeah. You're all really, really... going to be about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, she definitely, Barry, at least I only asked one question at a time. Okay. I'll, I'll give you true, space true. to answer the question. <laughs> Sorry, Barry's so cool, and I had a lot of questions to ask him. Well, then ask him. You're on the clock Fine. again. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> I know. But, um, yeah, so, Barry, um, piggybacking off of Ed's last question, was there a, a particular – I'm not sure if you can speak super specific, obviously, but was there a, a particular case or a, a particular moment that was most fulfilling to you as an ATF agent? I, I've had a lot of uh, moments, you know, 30 – three-year career uh i've had some people that were sentenced to life in prison with no parole that were very violent uh people i've i was in the 1992 los angeles riots um uh, th there's nothing really specific but i guess one of the things that that is i'm, I'm, I'm kind of proud of and I, I think it was mentioned earlier my son is now an atf agent so he's been on the job for about two years now. So that was a pretty proud moment when he when he graduated from the academy because I actually presented him with my badge. My badge number was lower because I've been in the agency for 33 years. So I gave him my badge and I got issued a, a new badge with a much higher number. So that was a proud moment. That's very cool. That's really cool. Go ahead, Ed. Um, uh, you brought up your son. So what was his path like? What can you tell us about that journey, a young man, um following his father's footsteps which can be a blessing and a curse if you're a dad um but obviously he did it what was his journey like to get uh into the force uh similar he was in college uh here in san diego and he graduated from college put in his application uh started the interview process and then was working for a local police department here in san diego in the records department uh, and also at the same time applying for some local police departments in the San Diego area. So the, the processes are all kind of running the same, uh, together. And he ended up getting through the ATF process before the local police departments, which I was actually happy. I, I, I much would rather have him working for ATF than, um, uh, work in the streets in, in San Diego. 
as a uniform officer. I think these those officers have some of the toughest jobs, especially in today's environment, and being in a marked uh, car and a uniform and protecting the public. But so his that was his path. You know, it took him about two years before he got hired. Uh, but that was the path he took, and it worked well. And, you know, I mentioned a variety of jobs with ATF, although we do work primarily violent felons, and we do work arson cases, we do work explosive cases. He's at the UN this week, United Nations. He's been there for about two weeks. He'll be there for about another week at least. Every every year in the United Nations, ATF supplements the State Department and Secret Service with protecting the dignitaries that come in for the the world leaders that come in for the United Nations. So there's always an opportunity to, to go on uh, details like that. Uh, so that that was his first time going to the United Nations. I was there for the 50th anniversary of the United Nations, which in the time that was 1997, because we looked at it before he left. That was the largest gathering of, of uh, world leaders at the time. There were 62 world leaders there for that 50th anniversary. In fact, I was there with Amy's husband, Brad, uh, but that was 1997. Wow. So you also mentioned that at the beginning, an ATF agent is going to be on probation. I'm curious. You said, but unlike other agencies, you get action quick. You said you're able to apply cuffs on somebody quick. How long did it take for your son to go through the probationary period and then actually get real life action? I'm sure there was action action, but like where he was felt like he was actually um, part of the ATF and he was kind of doing his thing. Oh, within the first month of him graduating out of the Academy. Wow. Uh, now he's assigned to a training officer. He has a training officer who is a, basically a senior agent and he can't take, uh, he can't go serve a search warrant or go serve an arrest warrant without having his training officer with him. But he can certainly, uh, be the first one in the door if that's what they decide they're going to do as long as his training officer is there with him. And that's a mandatory two year training period before he's able to basically work on his own control informants on his own uh etc got it and one other question only one other question for me um barry uh, i never like to get professionals on here and sensationalize what they do but i'm always curious about one of the funniest things that you've encountered out in the field uh the last time we had a fire chief on he talked about delivering a baby. He thought that was pretty cool. I'm curious, anything ever struck your funny bone? I can't believe I just saw that or witnessed that, that you can share with us. I, I'm not very good at spur of the moment type questions in 33 years. I'm getting old and it's hard to remember, but just <laughs> off the top of my head, um, I've, I've seen, we, we served a search warrant one time in uh, Beverly Hills and it was uh, for firearms. And when we played the, uh, when we rang the doorbell, played the theme to Godfather was the doorbell. <laughs> and then I don't know how appropriate this is for your, your, your show, but we served the search warrant and there in this house, there was literally a firearm anywhere you were at in this house, you could have a firearm within your reach. Um, uh, and not all of them were illegal firearms. Some of them were illegal firearms, but the homeowners weren't, weren't there when we served the warrant and it was a fairly large house, but, and they also owned racehorses because I remember seeing the pictures of the racehorses all. And we found <laughs> these jars with um, something inside. We didn't know what was inside the jars. And it, what it turned out to be was, and again, I don't know what the show is rated, so we might edit this out. <laughs> what it turned out to be was the, the husband's wife had had a breast reduction, reduction, and they had saved her tissue. 
Uh, that, that I don't know. It just kind of struck me as funny. Why would you? And it was in your bedroom. Why would you have that? Um, I don't know where I was going with that. But then I've also had uh, one time we were serving a search warrant, and when we serve a search warrant, you know, we'll have a heavy vest on, a helmet sometimes, boots. Uh, one of our guys fell in a swimming pool. Uh, that that was kind of funny. And I, I'm sure I could think of more if you want to talk to me next week. Yeah, <laughs> I wish there was a video of that. Well, I figure Amy records my bloopers. I want I want to know what other people are doing to embarrass themselves in their <laughs> line of work. So I want to hear those stories. Um, Barry, you do an important job. And I, I think it's not only it's obviously it's very fulfilling what you do, um, but I think there's young men and women out there who want to want to know what the path is to do something that they can contribute to the overall safety of our community. And like you said, maybe being in the police force isn't it. Uh, and you talked about like the CSI stuff. I've got a couple of students I'm working with right now who are interested in that investigative thing. And I think back to things being sensationalized, you see a lot of that stuff on TV, but you guys do real work and real stuff to protect us. And first, and thank you for doing that. And thank you for doing the show. That's the questions I've got. Amy, Alex, anything else? Well, thank um, you. I, yeah, uh, I have yeah, a few more questions as well. I have probably actually have a million more, but I only do two more for you, Barry. I'll All let right. you off the hook. Um, but you said that your um, your son came straight out of college and applied to the ATF. Is that correct? Yes. All right. So, what did he do to? Um, you said he got into, which is awesome. What did he do to um, really differentiate him, um, his application while he was in college? You know, what sets him apart from someone who's been in law enforcement or the military for a few years? Well, it, it doesn't really set him apart from him. Uh, he had good grades, mm -hmm. which, again, that helped him with his initial pay. Uh, if you have a certain grade point average, which I'm not sure what it is, you can you can start at a higher grade when you first start out. It's good to know. Uh, and sometimes we, we hire a variety of people. We hire right out of college. We hire local law enforcement. Sometimes it's harder the local law enforcement depending on how long they've been in local law enforcement to unteach some of the habits they've developed as a local officer that our 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 tactics are the way we do things might be different so sometimes it's easier to teach someone right out of college who doesn't have any bad habits already or what we not necessarily bad habits but different, different tactics than what we mm -hmm. might do uh, but the variety of them makes a good total package if you will um you know, and just staying in shape. We have, and it's currently uh, about a 50% failure rate for the PT test. And the standards are not that high. They're published ahead of time. But my son, when he was going through the process with these local police departments in San Diego as well, he would go and he would lap some people on the track two or three times. Uh, some people would show up for the PT test wearing flip-flops. Uh, so the, the local agencies are having a, a hard time recruiting as well and i think their their failure rate on the pt test is probably 50 percent or better two of his pt test people left in ambulances wow uh and that was with the local agencies uh so they're they're struggling as well to hire and recruit you know good good applicants yeah so that's point being is right now is a good time to get your foot in the door if you are a college and you're a junior senior getting ready to graduate start sending those resumes out um because the process takes a while and uh, uh, it's not just ATF is hiring. Everybody's hiring right now. And go to the gym. Yeah. Safe yeah. <laughs> that is what I got out of that is get your grades and go to the gym. Get kids. Netflix and go to the gym. <laughs> yeah. 
That's yeah. awesome. Alex was an athlete, and he's got a psychology major. That sounds like ATS right up his alley. I know. That's Alex, why. I was thinking the same thing. Like, what do you was, think, Alex? Oh, I was gonna say that's why it hammers you with a, a million questions right off the back. So I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I feel like this is right up my alley. But I don't know. Yeah, this is absolutely something that is super interesting. And I'm staying on that same topic. Um, last question for you, I promise. But um, you said you um, that probationary period is about two years in the ATF when you have the training officer. Where can you go after that? You know, what are some? Can you speak a little bit to the ways that you can um, grow and get promoted within the ATF? Like, what are some different career routes you can take? There's 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 different career paths. Obviously, you can go into management where you would become a first line supervisor, uh, then a second line supervisor, then you go to Washington D.C. to serve a minimum of two years in our headquarters. Come back out as a as a what we call a special agent in charge, in charge of a ge geographical area. Uh, then you can continue on up the chain. Go back to headquarters for another two to four years. Come out as like a deputy director. But not only that, you can specialize with us in arson investigations. Uh, we have what we call our certified arson investigators, where they can come into a fire scene and. Uh, you know, or a period of days or weeks, determine how that fire was set and make an actual determination. That's a pretty uh, lengthy training process as well. That can take you two to four years to become a certified fire uh, arson investigator. We have certified explosive specialists who, again, you deal in explosives. We have, we actually have special agent bomb techs who are, uh, again, they started out as certified explosive specialists then they went to bomb tech school where they can actually render devices safe. Uh, we have, uh, we have arson detecting dogs. We have, um, we have, uh, explosive detecting dogs. So we have a canine program. Then we also have our special response team. We have full five full-time special response teams across the country who have their own canines, have their own crisis negotiators, have their own medics who are trained up to the, uh, paramedic level. So you're available to uh, interject uh, or inject uh, medication, IVs, et cetera. So there's a lot of opportunities to go, uh, what do I want to say, horizontally or mm -hmm. vertically, uh, depending on the, the path you choose to take. Now, you can go horizontally and become a SRT member and be on SRT for five years and then still come back out and move up, uh, uh, up the food chain, too, if you will, if, if that's what you desire. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, that absolutely answered my question. And then some, it's cool to know that, okay, there's not only management, but you know, there's arson, there's explosive, there's, you know, starting IVs, having a little bit more of that clinical experience as well. Um, that is all really, really good to know and answer the question. Then some, so thank you. Um, Ed and Amy, any other questions from your guys' end? No, I'm just, I'm so grateful he came on to do this. I, I knew there was going to be so much that he could teach all of us. And uh, just really, really special that, that we got this opportunity. And you guys oh. said, Amy said you were sending me a check? Oh, yeah, there was a check. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, we are. Yeah, it's going to be Where's a lot of zeros at the end of that. Check? Look, I... Check's in the mail. Wait, Amy, I, weren't you I, sending it? I lied for the third time. So I made a note, um, polygraph, speaking of lying. Um, can you speak a little bit about your training in that specific field and... To a, a larger extent, I'm also curious about the human behavior component. Like, do you know before the polygraph machine tells you that they're lying that you can sense or you can feel 
That sounds like Yoda. Sorry. If you can, you've been at it long enough where you can kind of get a feel for somebody, whether or not they're going to be truthful or not. Absolutely. You can get a feel for someone off uh, uh, several different types of character traits and cues, but uh, all federally trained polygraph examiners, so all uh, federal government polygraphic examiners go to one school. There's only one school that's approved and put on by the Department of Defense uh, in Fort Jackson, South Carolina. It's a 16-week school, and um, it's a pretty in intense school. In fact, when, you, when you're done with that school, you're halfway through to your master's degree because there's courses, master's degree level courses taught in psychology and physiology. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of interviewing and, uh, and interrogation taught as well. But across the federal government, there's about only 750 certified federal polygraph examiners. Obviously, some of the DOD agencies have a larger contingency than the law enforcement agencies. The, the main law enforcement agencies have probably have, uh, I think, in the Department of Justice, uh, there's probably about 120 total hmm. polygraph examiners. Uh, so it's a pretty specialized position. But yes, you, you can have a gut feeling on someone. But the, the polygraph instrument will help you to either confirm that or refute it. And sometimes it, it does surprise you. Uh, sometimes you think someone's going to uh, uh, fail an exam and, and they end up passing the exam. Interesting. Amy, have you got the polygraph done on you? Uh, absolutely not. Oh, absolutely <laughs> but, but I don't know. You know, they, it's the eyeballs. You know, <laughs> The window to your soul, you can't hide it anyway. Yeah, he's looking at all, all of our eyeballs right now on the screen. I know, that's why I'm wearing sunglasses. <laughs> um, again, very fascinating. Thank you for doing it. I uh, really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. Yep, you bet. Thank you. Yeah, Barry, thank you very much. That was awesome having you on here. As, and obviously, as a, a young adult, too, it's hearing about this different career path. This is one of the coolest career paths I've ever heard of. So um, really appreciate your time. Application, Alex? Should we be looking for your application? Oh, I've already started on it. When you guys were asking those last few questions, I already got started on my I application. Actually, I, actually, I actually think there's an open announcement on USA Jobs right now. It's only going to be Is open there? for another week or two. Uh, if it's not open right now, it's opening soon. And, it, you know, put your resume in there. I you think don't I have anything to lose. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, you can you can stop at any point during the process. Absolutely. Go get that master's degree, young man, and go in there and make something happen. All right, you're paying for it, Ed. Well, this is Alex <laughs> and Ed, Amy and Barry signing off. Barry, once again, thank you so much for your time. This is the Two Old Kids, Two Young Adult Podcast. Have a great night, everyone. Thanks. Great thank job, Alex. Make sure and subscribe to this show so you don't miss the next episode of Two Old Kids and Two Young Adults Podcast. We want to hear from you as well. You can email us at 2ok2ya at gmail.com.